Hello, this is Search for Truth. It's great to have your company. Thanks for tuning in. And now, this week, your Bible teacher, Brian Johnston, brings the first talk in a new series, and it's called Fence Post Turtles. I'll leave Brian to explain where the term originates. Safe to say we're going to be studying six Bible characters over the same number of weeks. Today we begin with a very prominent individual from the Old Testament whom Brian will introduce in a very short while. So, over to Brian. Thanks, John. A pastor once said, When I was a schoolboy, we would occasionally see a turtle on a fence post. And when we did, we knew someone had put him there. He didn't get there by himself. In the Bible, we come across many fence post turtles, if we may refer to people by that term, as defined by the pastor we've just referenced. By that I mean, in the Bible, we encounter one person after another who knew that his or her position of power or prominence was given to them by God. In a sense, this is the opposite of the expression used in the world to denote someone as a self-made man. Joseph was a fence post turtle. I imagine he often sat back in his Egyptian chariot or his palatial surroundings, closed his eyes and reflected on his inauspicious beginnings, his jealous brothers, the pit they threw him into, the slavery they sold him into, the prison he was wrongly consigned to. And now this? And it all boiled down to one reason, and one reason alone, a reason that shared four times in Genesis chapter 39, and it's this, for the Lord was with him. Let's remind ourselves of some more details of Joseph's remarkable story so that we might trace the hand of God, the God who spoke to Joseph as a teenager. That was the only time in his life when the Bible records that God spoke directly to him, in this case using dreams to project a glimpse of where his life was headed. By contrast, Abraham and Jacob both experienced more frequent times throughout their lives when God appeared to them and spoke with them. But with Joseph, it was just that once, as a teenager. But the remarkable thing was that it set him up for life. It set the course of his entire life. How good it is when early in life we become convinced that God has met with us. And looking back decades later, through the lens of our life's experiences and opportunities, we can confirm the reality of that early encounter with God. And I assume it must have been like that with Joseph. From his comfortable throne in the palace, did he not think back to those dreams he'd once had as a teenager on the floor of his tent in a faraway land? With profound gratitude, he'd learnt to acknowledge all the way that God had led him. But let's go back with him to that early time when he first had those dreams. The 37th chapter of Genesis tells us, Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a vari-coloured tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had, for behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up 
and also stood erect, and behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brother said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us, or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Of course, this may well indicate a measure of naivety or precociousness with Joseph. Did he really think this information would endear him to his older brothers? On the other hand, he did bear faithful witness to God's revealed truth, undaunted by the fact that it contributed to pre-existing family tensions. I salute a teenager I know like that, out in the so-called Far East. He's been through the same kind of experience. His family worship ancestral spirits, but he's experienced God speaking to him through the Bible. He shared it faithfully with his father, and he's been rejected for it and thrown out onto the streets. I pray that, like Joseph, the truth God's revealed to him early in life will set the direction of his whole life until Jesus comes. Back again with Joseph. We said he was an unlikely candidate for success, but the great secret of his life was the Lord was with him. That should be our one prayer. If God is for us, who can be against us? Sensing God with him, gave Joseph the motivation to stay pure. After he'd been betrayed by his jealous older brothers, who'd faked his death and sold him into a life of slavery in Egypt, Joseph found himself the unwilling object of the sexual advances of his boss's wife. Joseph models for us how, in the case of temptation, like an infection, prevention is the best strategy. We read in Genesis chapter 39, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife." How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household were there inside. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me! And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and has fled outside, well, the story goes on to tell us what happened next. But Joseph had done his best to avoid this woman, trying to make sure he was never left alone with her. But she was determined and powerful, and it was only a matter of time before she would corner him. Joseph then demonstrates lesson number two. Run when it's necessary to do so. Or as the Apostle Paul would later counsel Timothy, flee youthful lusts. Sacrifice dignity to maintain purity. Of course, after her advances were spurned, the boss's wife became furious and had Joseph flung in prison, where I'm sure Joseph experienced many dark days of doubting the goodness of God. The God who'd seemingly tantalised him as a teenager with the prospect of greatness. But God shares, with us at least, the purpose behind his testing of Joseph. He shares this in Psalm 105, which informs us that the word of God tested Joseph. 
as his soul went into the iron shackles of the prison, it was as if the strength of the iron went into his own soul. Strength of character was built up all the while his patience was being proved through waiting for God's unlikely promise to materialise. But the Lord was with him, in the prison as well as everywhere else. With his God-given ability to interpret dreams, Joseph came to the attention of the king, the pharaoh. This same wisdom with which he'd been endowed extended to a plan to manage the future famine indicated by God. Soon Joseph was installed as Pharaoh's deputy, the second in command of all Egypt. Quite a meteoric rise, wouldn't you say? How did this unlikely candidate for success get to the top? The same way a turtle gets to be on top of a fence post. Someone puts it there. God is the hero of this story, not Joseph. Tell me, is that how you see your life? Well, the prison might have been a tough test of Joseph's character, but his toughest test was still to come in the palace, not the prison. Our faith is tested more in good times than in bad. For when life is easy and power is at our disposal, it's so easy to forget God and abuse our authority. It was in the palace that Joseph was called upon to display the maturity he'd gained in prison. Because who should come to beg for bread but his treacherous older brothers? Without even being aware of it, they bowed down before this impressive ruler dressed in all his Egyptian finery and so fulfilled God's early revelation to Joseph, all without realising it, of course. For how were they to know that this was their kid brother? But he knew them, that's for sure. Time to get even? That's how many of us might have thought. But not Joseph. Instead, he hatched an impromptu plan to check if his brothers had learned from their earlier mistake in mistreating him. By engineering circumstances, which offered the older brothers the chance to free themselves if they now abandoned Joseph's younger brother Benjamin, he effectively made his brothers revisit the scene of their previous crime against him. Now they chose not to abandon Benjamin. That's when Joseph discovers that they too are changed men. That was obvious when they begin to reveal guilt and remorse for what they had done to Joseph and refused to repeat the mistake with Benjamin. Then, and only then, Joseph discloses his identity to them and forgives them freely. With mature insight into the ways of God, the product of those prison years when God's word tested him, Joseph's able to assure them that God was behind and over everything that had happened in order to work out his much bigger plans. In Genesis 50 and verse 20 he says this, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. That took faith to say that. But the greatest example of Joseph's faith has been selected for us in Hebrews 11 verse 22, which says, By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. You know, Joseph had seen how his father had died. He had died looking forward in faith. And so Joseph also realised it was better to be bones in a box headed into the promised land than to end up as a glorified mummy in Egypt's Hall of Fame. God's plans are so much better than the best this world has to offer. And so Joseph, the fence post turtle, was inducted into God's gallery of the faithful. Father, I place into your hands the 
Thanks, Brian. I enjoyed today's talk, and I hope you did too. And uh, as usual, there's a free booklet, so you can read it all again. And if you'd like one, please ask for the title Fence Post Turtles. There are several other methods to access past programmes and booklets, which I'll explain in a moment. But first, I'm about to give you our contact details, so if you've got pen and paper to hand, here they are. Search for Truth. Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. I'll repeat that. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You might like to look out for Search for Truth featuring on www.twr360.org. And we're excited that this will give you yet another excellent way of accessing, again, what you first heard here on air. It's been a pleasure to have you with us today, so many thanks for listening. And next week we look forward to another Old Testament character. This time it will be, God willing, a study of Daniel. So until then, very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you. Father, we love to speak your praise, we love to hear your voice. Father, we love to sing your praise, and in your name rejoice. Father, we love to walk with you, and in your presence rest. For we know, we always can trust you. Father, I want to be with you, and you 